You're listening to the NFL on TuneIn. It's No Huddle with Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. Let's break down Lamar Miller and the Texans, take you around the league with Sage Rosenfels, the former NFL quarterback. Sage, we appreciate the time. Let's start in Houston since you played for the Texans. How do you see their quarterback situation? The team traded up to draft Deshaun Watson in the first round coming out of Clemson. How long do you think it's going to take him to emerge as the starter? Well, I think a couple of things. One, you, you always prefer to have your, your rookie sit as long as possible. I, I've really studied this thing, and that's, a, that's a, always a regular topic of conversation amongst ru- rookies. You know, do you play him right away or do you sit him? And, and I truly believe it's best if they can sit right away for you know, probably 80% of, of the rookie quarterbacks. You know, that being said, there are guys that go out there and have a ton of success, and guys like Dak Prescott last year who played unbelievably as a rookie. So, you know, Deshaun Watson, I really felt amongst those higher draft picks, he's a guy that, you know, the NFL experience and, and playing the NFL, you know, position of quarterback uh, would not be too much for him and that he would be, you know, prepared to play uh, the position and play as a rookie uh, if he was good enough to. And you, know, you just you just don't know and, until you see, uh, see these kids out in training camp, see them in these preseason games uh, and see how they – uh, can rise to the moment and rise to a level of play that's needed to be an NFL quarterback. Sage, when you when you think of uh, the Houston Texans, uh, they've been known for the quarter at the quarterback position to have a a complex system for them. Uh, Bill O'Brien, he he seemed like he's a stickler of trying to figure out uh, over the years which quarterback can be the one to lead his football team. Give me the story behind what you're hearing that it's a complex o- offense uh, when it comes down to the quarterback, but. You've seen, what, maybe eight to nine quarterbacks playing the system since, what, since he first got there, what, three years ago? Is it really that hard? Yeah, well, I, I think there are certain offenses that are hard, you know, for different reasons. And, and I, I had the most success of my career when I was in, a, you know, different versions of the, of the West Coast offense. And, and in that system, a quarterback really sort of goes through their reads, uh, you know, they go through their footwork. The, the offensive line really deals with a lot of the protection issues and protection calls and, and calling out the front and all those types of things. Not a lot of audibling that they feel in the West Coast offense. There's answers within, you know, the pass pattern. You know, single high, we're going to work the one-on-one matchup. They go two high coverage, and we're going to work inside uh, to the tight end. They really break down the system for you well. There's other systems that are more complicated. Uh, when I went from uh, the West Coast offense in Minnesota with Daryl Bevel uh, up to the New York Giants and Kevin Gilbride, that was more of a, a mix of a run-and-shoot system and, and the system that the New England Patriots slash uh, you know, Bill O'Brien run, uh, what they run down in Houston now. And that is much more complex, uh, much more uh, quarterback-demanding. Uh, 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 you have to make all these line calls, a lot of audibling, a uh, lot of uh, you know, sort of making everything happen. Everything goes to the quarterback in that system. And uh, it, it can be very hard either for young guys uh, to excel in it or just for even veteran quarterbacks who haven't been in something uh, which is really demanding of the quarterback run the entire thing. Add to it, uh, and, and, and this is something that I, that I firmly believe that, you know, sometimes the reason that you know, Josh McDaniels and Bill O'Brien, they haven't had a ton of success when they've left the New England Patriots, at least as offensive coordinators, is because in that Patriots team, that team has been together for a long, long time. Uh, Tom Brady has been in that system forever. He knows it inside and out. Uh, everything runs much easier. The, the, the menu is much, much bigger. I think a lot of times they take that same menu to these other football teams, to the Houston Texans in, the, in this example, and quarterbacks struggle because there's so much information. Uh, but but as, as an offensive coordinator, as a head coach, 
you want the best plays and the best system possible, and that's what Tom Brady's running. And I think a lot of other quarterbacks just struggle to, to, to rise up to the advancement of that level of football. Taking you around the league with Sage Rosenfeld. Sage, you played in Miami. How seamless do you think the transition's going to be for Jay Cutler coming out of his brief retirement, considering he played well for Adam Gaze in Chicago? And does it matter if Jay is not in great shape now? Yeah, well, I was in uh, you know Minnesota when Brett Favre showed up in 2009, and he was retired too. And that you know, his basically missing you know the entire training camp, other than probably about the last two weeks or so, uh, had no effect on his play. He played unbelievable that year. I think he threw 35 touchdowns and seven picks. So uh, you know, you know, is Jay Cutler Brett Favre? No, he's not. But uh, did he need this entire off season? You know. Probably not as much as a lot of other quarterbacks. I mean, he's a veteran. He's, he's 35 years old. Uh, he does have plenty left in the tank. You know, his physical abilities is not has not been his issue. Uh, I think this is really you know a, a, a lightning in a bottle. A lot of luck happened here for the Miami Dolphins. The fact that they got a veteran quarterback who has played really well in Adam Gase's system uh, to be available for no compensation. Uh, you know, 35 years old. This isn't some. You know, 42 year old guy way past his prime. So uh, this could actually work. Uh, Mike Tannenbaum and Adam Gates may have gotten very, very lucky. Uh, and all is based off of that, that the relationship that Jake Cutler and Adam Gates have. You could tell two years ago, 2015, Jake Cutler was a different quarterback. He played well, did put up huge numbers, but played well, protected the football better. But really, what you could see is the difference in his attitude. I really felt uh, he was a different sort of man in press conferences, you know, during games. He didn't have that. Uh, sort of, uh, you know, unlucky. Uh, he, uh, he had this sort of unlucky feeling that we all know that we've seen this Jay Cutler uh, sort of look in his eye uh, in games that people don't like. Uh, I don't think we saw that in 2015. I thought we saw, saw a guy who loved the game of football, who was excited to play. And he was excited to play because he loved his offensive coordinator, Adam Gase. Because of that, I, I, I assume that they gave him the, the one-year $10 million uh, because he knows the system so well, Sage. And, and anytime you know a system really well, coming from somewhere else, uh, the natural tendency is to pay him as if he's been there for some time. And that same thing happened with Ryan uh, Fitzpatrick with Chan Gailey being in Buffalo to now coming back with, with him in the Jets in the time in which he did. It's easy to make that transition. Now, saying that, does that automatically mean that this team actually makes it to the playoff again and maybe have a chance to make a run again to at least the AFC Championship game? Because the talent on the defense is phenomenal. Offensively, there's a ton of talent. The quarterback, I think, has been the question mark. The talent on the defense is very good, but they were ranked very low last year. I like to go back to the stats. I, I thought it was somewhere in the 20s or even mid-20s uh, in total defense last year. So there's a lot of talent on that side of the ball, but offensive teams are very productive uh, against them. And you're right, offensively, they do have some weapons. They've got three or four good wide receivers. they got a tight end who can make some plays and can be a matchup issue for defenses. And, and I love their running back uh, who put up some really big numbers last year. And, you know, Ryan Tannehill – he, you know, Kyle, or, uh, Adam Gase, I should say, sort of reminds me of Kyle Shanahan. A lot of quarterbacks play well for those guys. They, they have quarterback-friendly systems. And Ryan Tannehill played the best football of his career uh, in 2016, and he put up really good numbers as well. So uh, I said, this is a, this, this is a, I, I think he got paid not only because he knows the system, but Jay Cutler's made so much money. What's the point in going out there and, and getting beat up for you know two million dollars if you've got seventy in the bank already, right? So I think actually uh, the money that definitely had something to do with the fact that he knows the offense well, he can come in and start right away. Uh, but I think on the other end, it was it was ha- having to make it worth it for Jay Cutler uh, to come out of just being a family man hanging out with his kids, which is which is a pretty good deal too. 
Sage Rosenfels is our guest on the NFL on TuneIn. Sage, you started your career in our nation's capital, so let's talk Redskins. What's your perspective on Kirk Cousins? He's making huge money with the franchise tender again. Do you view him as a premier quarterback? Uh, well, the, the premier quarterback and salary don't always go hand in hand. And the reason he's making so much money uh, is because, you know, he didn't play a lot in those first three seasons uh, and then played a lot there, you know, right at the end. And, and you know, the, the Redskins uh, had to do something. Uh, if he would have played really well in those first two or three seasons, I, I have a feeling, you know, with that four-year rookie contract he had, uh, the team would have liked to try to uh, do an extension at that time, and it would have gotten done. He would have gotten maybe 18 or $20 million a year. Uh, but since he played in his fourth year and played so well, uh, and it was a one, sort of a one-year wonder type of thing, the team had no choice. Uh, they weren't sure if they had the guy because it was a one-year thing. Uh, so they had to do the franchise tag, got that fifth year. Uh, then he did it again, and, and you know they're trying to do a long-term deal. But it seems like Cousins would rather get out of there. And, and someone that played for that organization, uh, you know, no offense, but a lot of players – uh, you know, don't love playing, uh, you know, for that owner and in that organization that uh, they have their ups and downs and that's for sure. And, uh, and I wouldn't be surprised if Kirk Cousins wants to, you know, go one year, Brian Hoyer's out there basically on a one-year contract uh, and go out there to, to San Francisco and, and be the starter out there and, and, and be with the coach uh, that really made his NFL career drafted him uh, and where he had uh, his, his, you know, some of his best years and, and really became a big time NFL quarterback. Sage, when you see quarterbacks not having the opportunity uh, to condition their arms during the offseason, Andrew Luck, Cam Newton, uh, two of the premier quarter quarterbacks in the game today, how do you see their season actually going? Considering, you know, Cam has gotten some throws in. Andrew, it sounds like it's as if he hadn't gotten any throws in at all. Excuse me. Do you think it's going to affect their their play this year? I, yeah, I think it definitely has a factor or else we wouldn't do all this off-season stuff. I, as I said, I, you know, I played with Favre in 2009, and for him to show up and do what he did, it was the most incredible thing I ever saw uh, you know, during a football season over the course of my college and pro career. So that doesn't happen very often. Uh, but, but in this situation, both those guys, I mean, that's why you do all the off-season, the OTAs and the mini camps and the, you know, the, the private throwing sessions. It's to get that timing down. And, and as, as you know, Cordell, the, the difference between a completion and interception sometimes can be six inches or a foot. And all yep. that offseason work uh, really translates into the season. So, you know, could they have really good years? Yeah, they're both really talented guys. They're both not rookies. They, they've been around the block a little bit. I actually have mo- more concern uh, with, with Cam than I do with Andrew Luck. And, and the reason is, you know, Cam's footwork uh, to me has, has been really his was why he failed so much last year. I went back, watched a lot of tape. Uh, his timing was off. He'd take an extra hitch. Uh, his feet would be pointed uh, in, in a completely different direction than where his arm was going. Uh, his footwork was really an issue last year. And, and I said that off-season work is where you get that timing, where you can really work on the footwork. Uh, you can't really do that a ton during the season, during all those practices. you got bigger fish to fry. That off-season work is vital, and I think it was vital for Cam Newton. And it's really a shame that he missed most of that this off-season. Sage, let's wrap it up with a hard-hitting question. You mentioned Kevin Gilbride. Did he ever use the word catawampus in your meeting room? <laughs> uh, shoot, probably. I, 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 if he did, I assume I was awake for it. Uh, but, uh, you know, I tell you, that guy, one of the smartest coaches I've ever been around, he's got a million things going on in his mind at the, at the same time. And, and I think 
you know, people don't realize, you know, he won a couple of Super Bowls as, as that offensive coordinator and all the Eli Manning success that he had all those years. A lot of that had to do with Kevin Gilbert. His offense was very different than anything else they've ever been around. Uh, uh, you know, challenging for a young guy to, to, to learn, uh, for a guy or a guy new to the system to learn. But man, that guy has a brilliant mind and he understands football uh, as good as anybody that I was around when I was in the NFL. Well, the only reason he knows, Sage, is because I had him in Pittsburgh. You know that. And Catawampus has always been one of the words he chose to use for whatever reason, dulcet tones, things of that nature. He always hit you with big words because this offense, you know how complex it was. It was, it was like you said, the running shoe style offense. He was, he was a, like a mad scientist. You would watch him watching film, and you know this. He would write everything down in his notebook and – you know, you call it X read on the backside and it's a skinny or out route or a go route and you have to catch it on the fly. And it's like, it's unbelievable. I'm like, yeah, catawampus is the word uh, for whatever reason <laughs> it means. But Kevin Gilbride was one of the most complex when uh, you think of coaches that, that really pushed his quarterback to the limit, uh, but most importantly got the best out of him. Because if you can master that system, especially how it was in Houston with Warren Moon, uh, you could have arguably been one of the better quarterbacks in the National Football League. Yeah, you got to be smart. You got to have a big arm. You got to make some big time throws. Uh, and you got to love to compete. You know, Kevin Gobert loves quarterbacks who can compete. So, you know, I, I played for a lot of great coordinators, a lot of great coaches. As you know, so many great sort of one liners or cliches. I mean, my rookie year, Jimmy Ray was our offensive coordinator in Washington. And as a rookie quarterback, I was in charge of, uh, on the back of my notebook, keeping a list of Jimmyisms. Uh, that he used to say because they were so hilarious. You know, be a be a bowling ball of butcher knives uh, mm. for for Stephen Davis at tailback. I mean, he just had one liner after one liner all day long. Uh, and, uh, and and from my old line coach John Benton Houston would give me great consternation uh, when when they would call <laughs> the more complex plays. Sage, we really appreciate the insights. Thanks so much for giving us a few minutes today on the NFL on TuneIn. All right, guys, thanks for having me on. You've been listening to No Huddle with Brian Weber and former Steelers quarterback Cordell Slash Stewart live on the NFL on TuneIn. 20, 15, 10, 5, touchdown. The National Football League is on. Tune in.